Hey church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the connections and group pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus. Be challenged and encouraged by his word and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. Well, hey, good morning, Frontline. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you, especially part two of the series called I Am. Uh, I wanted to introduce you to somebody as we start. And so this is Joe. Uh, Joe is our favorite garbage man at our house. Uh, my boys kill each other to watch Joe from the window uh, that looks out our front door every Friday. So when he shows up, Joe is different than any other garbage man we've had. Uh, when he pulls in, he actually stops. Uh, he looks into our window, not in a weird way, in a great way. Uh, he looks from the driveway and he, he's kind of like looking, waving, looking for Judah, my four-year-old, because uh, Judah sits there and what Judah does is he waves and as soon as uh, Joe looks at him, he goes like this, good job. <laughs> He's very encouraging. He's an encouraging little boy. So anyway, we, we went out uh, this past Friday and uh, we, we talked to two garbage men because I knew I was starting this way for this uh, sermon today. And so we went out and I talked to the first garbage man and I was like, hey, can we take a picture with you? And he said, no. And so we went, okay, all right, we'll take a picture of your truck then. We took a picture of his truck. But Joe, when we asked Joe, he goes, of course, are you kidding me? I asked both of them the same question. I said, what's the best part and worst part of your job? What the other guy said is best part's the money, worst part, the trash, you know, kind of go figure. <laughs> Joe, totally different. He goes, you wanna know what the best part is? The kids, this, what I'm doing right now. He goes, the worst part? He goes, sometimes it's the hours, but it's not even that bad. He, he goes, when you love what you do, it, it's not that hard to give more time, energy, effort into it. I mean, we, we talked to Joe for probably 10 minutes. I know what Joe's job is like. This is something most of you probably have no idea. I was a garbage man in the past for five whole days, <laughs> five whole days. I woke up early, this was not a job that I needed to shower for in advance. So I, I kind of waited till the last minute, woke up, got to the, to the truck place, right? You do your little truck inspection, you grab your vest, you put your gloves on and you head out and it is a long day. It is hard work, it's a lot of, I mean, you're just lonely for a lot of the time too. You're dealing with a piece of our society that most of us actually don't know anything about. In fact, it's the way we like it. We like it that, you know, we just take our trash, we take our kind of gross, nasty, icky stuff that we wish wasn't in our house or on our property. We take that, we pull it to the end of our driveway and we let somebody else take it, pick it up and haul it away. And I've seen where it gets hauled away. You think your trash is nasty, multiply that by 10,000 and it is nasty. Joe loves his job, loves what he gets to do, loves it because of, and if you catch it, the people. He loves the people. Why I wanted to share this with you is that there's a pretty significant parallel between a garbage man today and a shepherd 2000 years ago. In fact, there's a pretty significant parallel to shepherds even today, especially in the Middle East. It was a job that was often lonely. You get up long before the sun. It's not a job you need to focus on showering for or anything. It's like you're, you're with a pretty nasty part of the society that most of society doesn't see. You're with shepherds or, and you're with sheep. You're, you're 
leading them, taking them through the wilderness, through the desert. You're leading them from place to place, looking for grassy patches just to feed them, to nourish them. You're trying to take care of them. Sheep are not wise, as we're going to talk about today. It's a difficult job. It's a hard job. It's back-breaking work. But shepherds, the best shepherds do it because they love their sheep. They don't do it for a paycheck, even like the other garbage van I talked to. They do it because they love what they get to do. So today's I am statement, Jesus made seven of them. And we're talking about this one today. It's, it might be one of the hardest ones for us to relate to. Because what Jesus says is, I am the good shepherd. So, so imagine this, right? If I, if I set the scene, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees, which are the religious elite I mean, they're, they're the powerful people. They're, they're aspiring to be great leaders, wise leaders, good teachers. They want a large following, a large flock, you could even call it. They're desiring this very white collar type of cushy job with a big following. And Jesus speaks to them. And imagine their confusion when Jesus identifies himself, the best teacher that they had ever heard. Jesus identifies himself as a job that none of them ever wanted. Here's what he said. He says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus is trying to get at something here. He's gonna juxtapose two different types of shepherds and it's a metaphor. What he's talking about is there's two different types of leaders, two different types of people. There, there are some that are like hired hands. They have a flock, they have a following, they have employees, they have a large group that looks to them, that follows them, that, that seeks them out for wisdom or teaching or leadership. There are some that are like hired hands that use their following for themselves. They're in it for what they get out of it. But then there's another group of people. There's another set of business owners. There's another set of teachers or pastors or leaders that, are, that function very differently. And they see their role as loving, serving, sacrificing for. And Jesus goes the furthest step and he says, ultimately dying for those that they have been entrusted to lead. Can you imagine what that must have felt like if you're a Pharisee? All you've wanted, right? All you've wanted your entire life is you've seen these great teachers and notable speakers and significant followings. All you've ever wanted was to achieve a position of significance, of great influence, of notoriety, of fame, of education. All you've wanted was to achieve this level. And the person you're hearing from that has achieved all of those things, the best you've ever seen, his name is Jesus. He says to you, I'm like a really good shepherd, like the best garbage man you've ever seen. Can you imagine how confusing that would be? Troubling that would be. It takes everything that you've built your life around up to that point and it pulls it into question. Why do you actually desire to lead a significant group of people? Why do you desire a following? Why do you desire a flock? Jesus juxtaposes them. He says, here's the kind of shepherd that I am. I'm willing to die for my sheep. What are you willing to do? Man, is that poking the bear or what? He's looking to these, and catch this, religious leaders. People in the church, you might even call them pastors. And he's questioning them and he's questioning their motives. Have you ever been under a poor leader? Have you ever been under a leader that has made it all about themselves? 
Have you ever, have you ever been under a leader that uses those that they lead for their own benefit? So here's what I think. I think most of us have become, uh, it's normal for us to be skeptical or suspicious of people in leadership because I think every one of us have, has, have experienced leaders like that. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, if I say politics, does that ring a bell for anybody? Maybe you think about like there's a coach that you had in your life that you, the coach was more concerned about his job and moving forward or achieving a title than he was about developing you as a player. Maybe you've had a teacher that was set on a particular tenure track and, and he or she was gonna do everything that they could to get to that next level, even at the expense of their own students that they were called to teach. Maybe it's a boss that as you sat under this boss, the boss's one driver, the one motivation was his bonus that came to the end of the year or her bonus that came at the end of the year. And as you sat under them, you realized you were a pawn in their game to get what they wanted. Have you ever experienced that? Do you know what that feels like? Jesus is calling out the, the Pharisees in the group that he's talking to. And he's saying, I'm not like that. I don't use those that I'm entrusted with to get to a different end. I lead them totally differently. Here's what I think. I think the idea of us being under a leader or a shepherd often makes us far more uncomfortable than comfortable. You know what I've learned to do in my life? I'm my own shepherd. I'm my own leader. I, I, I'm my own director. I'm my own decider. I am my own protector. That, that's what I've learned to do much of my life. And so the, obviously the idea that Jesus would say to a group of people or that the invitation that Jesus gives to people that, that came from hundreds of miles away to listen to him, thousands of miles away, hundreds, I don't know. I, think about the world today, people that go out of their way to hear about or from this person named Jesus. The idea of submitting everything under him as your leader makes a lot of us way more uncomfortable than comfortable because I think we've learned to be naturally suspicious of those as leaders. So here's what I wrote. I said, when I first started understanding who Jesus was, the idea of trusting him as a shepherd seemed so foreign to me because every leader that I had ever sat under had failed me somehow. I wrote a little list here. Uh, I had a basketball coach uh, that was very well known, very well respected uh, when I was growing up in school, very well known. I mean, the, the state and national championship banners lined the entire gym. Uh, what people didn't see was behind the scenes when he would throw chairs, cuss out kids in practice. Uh, it, there was a totally different side of him. The idea of being under him as a coach moved us towards winning, but it made us pawns. Uh, here's another one. I, I, I had a professor, I had a couple of professors like this actually, uh, that shamed me publicly. They humiliated me in front of the class or they punished me academically for differing religious beliefs. You ever had a teacher or a professor like that? I had a ministry boss, uh, he was a pastor, uh, that divorced his wife, left his family uh, to pursue his own interests. Had a change of heart. I mean, that, that affects you when you're under a leader like that. I had a, <laughs> I had a grandparent slap me in the face out of frustration. 
I've learned to be skeptical of people in positions of leadership or authority. Have you? The, the idea that Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I've encountered very few people like that. Very few people. In, in fact, the Pharisees at the time would have heard this stick out. Shepherds weren't expected to die for their sheep. It wasn't the job. The job was do your best. When a bear came or a lion came or a wolf came or snakes, whatever, you wouldn't self-sacrifice. You would just do everything you could to protect your sheep. But Jesus says, no, no, I'm different. I'm, I'm a good shepherd. The word good uh, means noble, praiseworthy. And one of the other variations says this, as they ought to be. It's not just saying, oh, he's good, he's better. Jesus is saying, I am the type of shepherd that every shepherd ought to be. I lay my life down for those that I've been entrusted to lead. That is totally different, totally foreign than the way our, our world, our society, our government, our businesses, many even of our churches are set up. Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. And what makes me good, I'm not a hired hand. I'm not gonna run away when it gets hard. I'm not gonna run away when the enemy shows up. No, no, I'm the type of shepherd that I will self-sacrifice. I will lay my life down for my sheep. Here's what he, he keeps, seeing, or keeps saying here. John 10, verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Do you know that in the Bible, it refers to us people over 200 times as sheep? Do you know that? It's not a compliment. The more you read about sheep, the more you hang out with sheep, the more insulted you will actually become. Uh, they're not smart at all. Um, their brain activity is very limited. Uh, they can eat, sleep, and poop. So that's about the extent of what a sheep does. Their lives and well-being are entirely dependent upon the person that oversees them each and every day. Uh, they're stupid and filthy. They must be cleaned and cared for every day by shepherds. They're defenseless. They can't run fast. They can't swim. They can't scare off an enemy. They can't spray predators. The only thing they can really do is bleat. And that's that sound. That's what that, we're compared to them 200 times in the Bible. I, I had a video. I was like, I just have to show you. Like, th this is what we are like as sheep. Go ahead and roll that video. This is us. We get stuck. We encounter trouble. We need help. Somebody comes forward. This one, a nice young boy, pulls the sheep out of this deep cavern of which they could not escape themselves. We yell, freedom. We're so excited and we end up right back where we started. Does that encompass well what a sheep does? The Bible says we're like that. Come on, I mean, let's, let's be honest here. How many of us have ended up in the exact same situation that we had just escaped from momentarily afterwards? How many of us have ended up in the same relationship 
that was hard or abusive or difficult. And a couple weeks or months or years later, we found ourselves in the exact same spot. How many of us have found ourselves in some sort of sin or addiction that we got free from, we had a significant encounter with Jesus, and then a couple weeks, months, years later, we're in the same spot? Or you blow up at your spouse or at your family, or you screw up at work, you get fired, you get arrested, you get, something happens and you change, and you're hopeful, and you yell freedom as you run and jump, and before you know it, you are right in the exact same spot. Jesus says, I see you the way you actually are. I don't see this best version of you that you like to portray to others on social media. I don't see this best version of you that you wanna portray even to yourself. I see the real version of you. I see what you're capable of. I see how you get stuck. I see how you need me. I see how lonely you get sometimes. I see you, you kinda of just wander and you have no idea really where you're going, but you are confident as all get out. I see you that way and I love you that way we don't have to impress Jesus. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I, he's got a whole flock of them, a whole group of people. I was talking to Brian last night when we were in here and I said, you know, I was thinking about just my kids. So I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old and I said, my job as a parent is to keep them from killing themselves. I mean, they eat, we, we thought one of them ate a staple this week. You've already heard the pop tab story. The other one ate the pop tab what they do to toys and stuff, the amount of food they cram in them. It's like they're just bent on killing themselves unintentionally, and my job is to prevent that. Jesus goes, you're starting to understand what it's like being me. <laughs> and yet here's what he says to the religious leaders. You want to you be in a position to lead? You want a large group of people? You want a lot of employees? You want to be famous? You want to be well-known for what you do and, and how you do it? It's all about you. I'm the good shepherd. I'll die for them. And you can imagine, you'll die for them, the sheep. Like, like the guy that keeps ending up there over and over and over, the girl that's over here, that she, she ends up there over and over and over. Jesus goes, yeah, because I'm nuts about him. Jesus juxtaposes what a good shepherd looks like versus a bad shepherd. A good leader versus a bad leader. A good parent versus a bad parent. A good coach versus a bad coach. A good mentor versus a bad mentor. A good pastor versus a bad pastor. Jesus says, my role as a shepherd, I exist for the sheep. They don't do for me. My job, my existence is I do for them because I love them. So I'm so moved by them. So I'm so crazy about them. Jesus says that's what a good shepherd actually looks like. The idea that God knows me scares me. Remember when I first started following Jesus, um, I was interested. I can't even say I was following him yet. I remember when I was open and I was saying, God, if you're real, show me. I want an encounter with you. I, I want an experience of you. I don't want some theological argument for why you exist or why you don't. God, I want to hear your voice. I read in the Bible, it says you did that. In fact, the Bible says you still do that, God. I want to hear it. I want to learn to know it. Are you there? That's what my prayers looked like early on. And I tell you what, God started showing up. 
that I started hearing his voice. You know, when, when the scripture talks about my sheep know me and they know my voice, they've learned to hear my voice and I know my sheep, I love my sheep. There's a very real conversational relationship that Jesus desires with us. And it centers around his voice and his word. He, he speaks through scripture. He, he speaks through his followers. Speaks sometimes through dreams or visions. God is still on the move. And what he's asking and inviting you is to step in to actually hear and discern his voice. And here's the thing about life. You can decide to follow whoever you want. You follow whoever you want. You can follow a politician or a political party. You, you can follow some sort of movement. You can follow a great speaker or author or leader, theologian, mentor, coach. You can follow whoever you want. But where are they leading you? Jesus extends the same invitation, but he doesn't force. He doesn't manipulate. He doesn't trick. He's not devious. He, he's just kind, faithful persistent, you know, to, to steal the word that we just sung about, he, he's great. He's just there. He, he's constantly beckoning. There's this old story from World War I. There was a shepherd that was shepherding a flock outside of Jerusalem. And during World War I, uh, some of the enemy troops saw this flock, and I'm sure they thought, we're hungry. That looks delicious. We're going to steal that. We're going to lead them astray. So they waited until the cover of night. The shepherd was asleep, and the, the, these soldiers came over, and they started corralling the flocks and leading the flocks away. Well, they get a decent distance away. The shepherd wakes up, realizes what's happening, and he's looking for his sheep, and he can kind of hear them off in the distance, off maybe on like some sort of a mountain. I have a picture here just to, to illustrate. And the shepherd wakes up, and the shepherd can't take them by force. He's, he's no match for, for these armed soldiers. So what does he do? He just does his distinctive call. Every shepherd has one. They have a distinct call with a distinct voice. It's got distinct sounds that when they call their sheep, their sheep know that's the real one. So here, here's what happens. They're like halfway up this mountain and the soldiers are trying to lead them and corral them and every one of those sheep turned around. They walk back down the mountain. The shepherd just sits there and waits. He did his call again. Here I am. Come back. And every one of them starts filing back down, one after another. Nothing those soldiers could do to stop them. Why? Because the sheep knew the voice of their shepherd. Let me ask you, do you know the voice of your shepherd? Do you know Jesus' voice? Can you distinguish it amongst all the other voices that exist in your life? Can you hear him? Hey, I remember when I was asking God to speak, I was in my dorm room. It was my first year of college. I would turn the lights off. I would lock the door. I'd get on my face and I would say, I just want to hear from you. Please show me you're there. And he spoke. And it was different than any other voice. What I've learned is I, I'm starting to recognize that voice. Here I am 12, 13, 14, I don't even know how many years later, I know his voice. Sometimes his voice is ahead of me and it's leading me. 
And there's other times that his voice is behind me and I realize I've left. I'm, I'm away with somebody else. I'm chasing something else. I'm following a different type of leader. But when your ears begin to attune for the voice of the good shepherd, it's worth pausing and saying, where am I and where is he? I think more than anything, what God's desire is for every one of you here in the, per, in the room, in person, watching online, listening later, the desire that God has for you is that you would hear and know his voice, that it would be distinct among all the rest. And he's not gonna trick you. He's not gonna force you. He's not gonna manipulate you. He's not gonna use aggression or anger. He's just gonna sit there and beckon and just say, here I am, come back to me, come back to me. I have learned what a good shepherd Jesus actually is, the best. Just got to spend some time this last week at a conference with a, a number of our staff, and uh, my goodness, when the Holy Spirit speaks, it undoes me. I mean, emotions start coming out. I, I'm not a big crier, okay? You're like, yeah, I've probably never seen you cry. Yep, not really my jam. I don't really like it. Feels weird. Face gets all wet. Not a fan. Three times in two days this last week going, God, I'm so sick of this. But it, but it was because of what he was doing deep down in my heart, what he, what he was inviting me into. There's some pain that still exists there, some woundedness, some fear, some regret. And the voice of the shepherd invites me just like he invites you to come forward. You know what I loved is one of the conferences we were at is, I don't know, 5,000, 6,000 pastors from all over the world. And one of the speakers made this invitation and he said, some of you just need to get right with God. I just want to invite you to come forward. And droves of pastors, myself included, came forward because we've learned the voice of our shepherd. We've learned that when we go forward, when we seek out his voice, it's not met with pain. It's not met with a, a strike from his rod. It's not met with harsh words of rebuke. No, there's certainly a repentant side, but, but the invitation that God gives is come, come back to me. You've chased something else and it overpromised and underdelivered, didn't it? You've, changed, you've chased something else and, and it hurt you. You've chased something else and it was not what you thought it was going to be. Just come back. come back. That's the voice of the shepherd. I think God has the same invitation for you today. The exact same one. Jesus is the good shepherd. He modeled it. He demonstrated it. He lived it. He illustrated it with his disciples, with the people that he cared for, with how he prayed, with how he was so in tune with God, the Father. He is the best shepherd. And the same invitation he has made for thousands of years, he makes available to you. He, he just wants to be your shepherd. I think we look to a lot of other people as our shepherds instead of Jesus because of what they promise to do. Maybe what they do for us or they, they've taken care of us or they, they've said good words to us. Maybe they've entertained us or they, they advocate for things that matter to us. The best shepherd who was Jesus died for us. 
He did it on a cross. He died an awful death, hanging there for us. Not just generally. He didn't go before God the Father and say, is there a ticket that I can stamp like just for everybody? He went specifically for you by name, knowing what you've done, knowing what you've carried, knowing what you, how far away you've ran or how many things you've done. He knew specifically and he said, for them. And he hung on the cross and he died. And three days later, he rose back to life. He defeated the grave so that you and him can talk. So you can spend community. Yeah, you can clap for that. So you can spend eternity with him. He loves you so much. That's my message today. He loves you so much more than you could ever imagine. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in your sin. He sees you in your brokenness. He, he sees you in the situation that you've created and he goes, come back to me. Come back to me. Here I am and he's good and he's tender and he's sweet. He has the power to heal. He has the power to forgive. He has the authority to forgive and to make you right with God. That's what he invites you to step into and experience the question is, will you do it? Will you do it? Jesus is the only good shepherd worth trusting your entire life to. There's no other leader that is worthy of your worship. There's no other leader that is worthy of your sacrifice. There's no other leader that is worthy of surrendering everything to other than the person of Jesus. He is the good shepherd. And he wants a relationship with you. So here, here's just how I want to close. Uh, regardless of what you came in with today, you may say, I know my shepherd. I know I have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe just leverage this time as a way of discerning where you are and where his voice is. Maybe it's in front of you. Maybe it's behind you. I just want you to make a decision today. Uh, will you move in his direction or not? Because he, he wants you. I believe he wants to speak to you. I believe he wants to bring healing to you. I, I believe he wants to bring forgiveness to you. I, I believe he wants to speak and minister just to your heart in a way that only he can. And I, I don't care what you've done, neither does he. He's just inviting you to experience him. So my job is just to to just make the invitation on his behalf. That, that's all. I mean, I'll, I'll even open it up to you. Uh, if you want to stay in your seat, you can stay in your seat. If you want to get on your knees, if you want to pray, we got a prayer banner right in the back. Our prayer team will pray with you. If you want to come forward up here and just kneel, the good shepherd wants to shepherd you. Do you want him? Some of you have never heard his voice. And maybe you're hearing it right now. Maybe you're hearing the invitation. Maybe you've never surrendered. You've never given your life. You've never repented. You've never acknowledged your own sin, your own shortcoming, your own failures. You've never done that. And you're feeling it right now going, do I have to clean up my life first before I step into the presence of Jesus? No, Jesus did that for you on the cross. He was the sacrifice that made you clean so that you could approach the throne of God. So maybe today's the first time ever. I would like to introduce you to my really good friend, Jesus. 
who loves me and loves you and died for you so that you might live in him right now and then when you die someday for eternity with him. Why don't we just close in prayer? We'll just let God, we'll let God do, do his work here. Holy Spirit, we just come before you right now uh, as our good shepherd. God, I know there's a lot of pain in this room right now. I know there's a lot of fear in this room. I know there's a lot of regret in this room. There's loss in this room. There's depression and anxiety in this room. There's doubt in this room. So Holy Spirit, just what I, I ask right now is that you would just speak to each and every heart that's listening right now. That your tender voice, your persistent invitation, the, the sweet sound of, of you talking would be felt by every soul listening. God, I pray that you just undo us, that we wouldn't feel like there's a right thing to say or a right thing to do that we blend in. God, I, I just pray that we'd be real before you. I thank you that you are our good shepherd that loved us so deeply, you were willing to give up everything for us. So God, right now, I, I just ask that we would get right with you in whatever posture we need to do. I, I pray that right now we would just confess sin that we know has been lingering for a while. I pray that we would repent of things we've done, things we've said, people we've hurt. I, I pray that we would repent from those and turn from those right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you'd bring forgiveness, God, in the way that only you can, that you would speak, that you would heal, that you would make right, and Holy Spirit, I, I just pray that our response here and just in the next couple moments would just be a response of love to your love. I pray that as we worship, we just worship you for who you are, for what you've done, for how you've led us, how you've sacrificed for us. I pray that as we worship, it would come from a place of freedom and peace. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister just in the next couple minutes in the way that only you can and draw us closer and closer to you as the Good Shepherd. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in Him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.